apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Jones on the first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finns, two for three, he's done his part. Is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got game three of the NBA Finals tonight between the Heat and the Nuggets. Nuggets win game one. Heat come back and win game two. So this should be a very, very, very interesting game three for both these teams. And the big the big question is, is going into game three, which one of these two teams has the edge? And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But I still got to go with the Nuggets. And the reason I got to go with the Nuggets is, is for years, the NBA has been about star power over culture. I, I get the Heat culture is outstanding. But the Heat haven't won an NBA championship in 10 years. Superstars win in this league. It goes back to Bird and Magic, to Jordan, to Kobe and Shaq and Duncan, to LeBron, to Steph Curry. Superstars win in this league. And that's why I still say the Nuggets have the edge is because Nikola Jokic is the best player in the floor on the floor in this series and is arguably the best player in the league. And that's why I, I still think, even though the Nuggets lost game two at home, I still think they have the edge in this series. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think that's Joe. Sure, just keep counting out Miami. Oh, oh no, Dude, no, that's, no, no. Just, that, that's Frank. That's Frank. Just that's keep Frank. counting out Miami. And listen, you're right to get on me about that, but Frank, when Miami won oh, the championship Miami, in yeah. 2012 and 2013, who do they have on their team? Tell me who they had on their team. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. No, I guess Jimmy yeah, I see superstar, Jimmy but Butler's. you can't compare Jimmy Butler to LeBron James. I'm sorry. 
When they yeah. won their three championships, I know everybody loves to talk about heat culture, heat culture, heat culture. The Heat have not won a championship in 10 years. You can talk about heat culture all you want. They haven't won a championship in 10 years. And who? All right. When they won the championship in 06, they had Shaq and D. Wade. When they had when they won those championships, it was LeBron. It was LeBron, LeBron, Wade, and you said LeBron, Wade, and Flash. But LeBron, uh, Jimmy Butler is a great player. He is not on the level of Dwayne Wade in 2006, and he is, is definitely not on the level of LeBron James in 2013. I've heard about Heat culture all the time. Okay, it's a great culture. It's a great organization. But organizations do not win championships in this league. Great players do. Okay, okay, here's, here's another question. The Nuggets have never won a championship. Okay, uh, have they had a player as good as Nikola Jokic in the history of their franchise? No, I don't want to hear about Carmelo Anthony. I do not want to hear about Carmelo Anthony. He was very, he was very good. He's not Nikola Jokic. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, I look, the Heat coach is amazing, you know, for what they've done. Again, half that team is undrafted free agents, and they're here in the NBA Finals. Like, that, it is impressive. Look, I think Denver is a better team. You know, the, the, the Heat have shot the ball so well so far in the postseason. Game one was a rough one for them. They bounced back in game two. But it's supposed to made adjustments. I kind of – I'm not trying to take anything away from the Heat here, but I kind of felt like the Nuggets – Pat Riley, at one of I the get best it. Owners. And Pat, we trust. I understand. Yeah. But it's been 10 years since the Heat have won a championship. And Jimmy Butler is not close to LeBron James. And listen, am I guilty of calling the Heat out this entire postseason? Yes. But they have not played a team as good as the Nuggets in this postseason. No, no, they haven't. You know, because the Celtics just beat themselves in the foot. The Bucs are the Bucs. You know, I know Giannis was kind of banged up in that series. But, look, I, I think, you know, too, like the Nuggets – really hurt themselves they just did not they were very sloppy and i felt and i think the nuggets are um under underestimating the heat for whatever reason because i know it says an eight seed you know next to them their, their name but this ain't an eight seed oh yeah, no no this is, not. this is this is definitely not an eight seed this is a top four team in the eastern conference let's be honest yeah absolutely and you know and i think the nuggets kind of underestimated them the other night just the way they were playing and give the heat credit because they made the adjustments and you know eric bolster is one of the best coaches in the sport and my, I really like Mike Malone. I thought the Kings fired him way too early, about almost a decade ago. And again, he's done a phenomenal job with Denver. And I expect him to make the right adjustments tonight in Game Three and see what they bounce back. But yeah, I think the Nuggets have a little bit more star power than the Heat. But nothing to take away from the Heat. They've been a great story. Um, and again, like, it, like we really shouldn't be surprised Miami's in here. Like we we really shouldn't. Well, absolutely I not. Mean, I mean, I mean, two years, three years ago, they got to the NBA Finals in the bubble. Last year, they were one game away from getting to the finals. I'm not surprised at all. Listen, I, w- 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 listen. When the Heat played, when the Heat played the Knicks, I mean, I was very, I was a Knicks fan. I was, I was, I was scared. I was, I was definitely scared of the Heat. Now, I thought they were going to win because I felt like they had, they had a little bit more, you know, talent outside of their. Uh, there was more. They their top three players were better than the Heat's top three players. But I ended up being wrong because Jimmy Butler out, was out, ended up outplaying uh, Jalen Brunson, and some of the Heat players were better than some of the. I'll play some of the Knicks players in that series. So, but yeah, we should definitely not be surprised they're here. And of course, another comment from Frank, everyone is counting Miami out. We'll talk at the end of the finals. You could say, yeah, we'll talk at the end of the finals, but I think personally, I think he'd have a chance, but how the finals are going to end up. I think it's going to end up how it's ended up for the last 40 years in the NBA. It's going to still end up with the best player winning the championship. Yeah, I think so. I I think Jokic, I think that that Nuggets team figures it out. Again, I think Miami's done a really good job of kind of, Again, Jokic had 10 assists in the first half in game one. You know, he then he only had four in game two. Like, I think they've done a much better job of not making him be able to distribute. But, yeah, I think he breaks out of it. I think, you know, I think 
couple of those nuggets, like a Michael Porter Jr. plays better. And I just think, yeah, you know, I know Strauss and Gabe Vincent really had bounce back games, but Jokic and that Nuggets team, I think they find a way. I I really do think that there's no way Jokic is going to lose a series. I think he wants that ring. I think that Nuggets team does, you know, and I, I think they're a little bit more talented than he, and I think they do find a way to win it. Again, I thought it was going to end in five, but I could see this thing definitely going six, seven games. Oh, I think it's going to go six, seven games. I, I, I do. I think the Heat are just too tough for it to be to, to lose in five. I think the Heat, the culture, as we said, the culture is good. But do they have the personnel to beat this Nuggets team? I don't think so. But there was a comment from Michael Malone after the game questioning the effort of the team. And let's be honest, at the be, at, at the beginning, I, I kind of questioned what Malone said. I questioned what he said because, you know, why are you questioning your effort in the NBA Finals? Now, hearing some of the analysts talk about a ton of open threes and then having Michael Malone say, oh, it, we, I, I said that to my team. That's what my team said. That's what my team said. I, I asked his team, why did they lose the game? And what, it, and, what the, and what his team told him was, we didn't have the effort that was necessary to win the game. So now I'm getting what Michael Malone said there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think he was right. I thought, yeah, like defensively, I just thought there was a lack of communication. You know, defensively, they're kind of not knowing what to do off of the screens and all that. And yeah, I felt like the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets, again, this goes back to my point that they're kind of underestimating them. I think the way they won in game one where they kind of just, we're on cruise control. I think they thought that was going to be the next three games and they could kind of just go on cruise control and don't beat the heat. But again, they were sadly mistaken the other night. Cause yeah, you know, and I grew up alone. And again, that is somewhat a worry that your team can't give you the effort in an NBA finals. But look, you know, I, I think they bounced back tonight. Yeah. And I think they, they, they play a little bit better, but yeah, I think it's a little bit concerning, but I do agree with coach Malone saying that, yeah, the effort. I I do agree with him. I didn't think the effort was totally there the other night. Yeah, let's, let's and now we'll get to uh, what the Nuggets have to do to win Game Three. And number one, uh, Murray has got to play like he did in Game One. He was okay in Game Two, but he was. But in Game One, he was he was great. He scored twenty six points in Game Two. He scored eighteen points. First time since since a game. I think Game Five of the uh, conference semis that he had under twenty points a game. Jamal Murray has got to be better if the Nuggets want to win Game Three. Another another thing that has to happen, Porter Jr. has got to be better, especially from three. In this series, he's three for 17 from three-point range, and he was terrible in game two. His defense was awful, and he only scored five points. Porter Jr. has got to be better than he was in game two if they want to if they want to win tonight. And also, they got to contain Jimmy Butler like they did in game one. They And they've done a good job containing Jimmy Butler all, all series. He only had 21 in a game. Uh, he only had 21 points in game two, but... Uh, they they got to they, they got to continue to contain him. They cannot let him go crazy because we saw in the Bucks series when he went nuts, when he went crazy. The beginning of the Celtics series when he went crazy, that team becomes that team becomes phenomenal when Jimmy Butler uh, goes crazy like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know that's one of my points too. You know, for the Nuggets, kind of keep silencing Jimmy Butler. You know, he he hasn't really yeah, as you mentioned, hasn't shot it well of late. Um, but again, you know, like he didn't play great. Like others really stepped up around him and they still got the split. So I feel like, you know, you know, Miami's got to feel pretty good about that, but like he hasn't gotten the line too much too so far. Um, And I think only five attempts so far in the first two games. And again, that that's something too, like Denver's got to keep, cause he's so good at getting the line. Denver's got to keep him away from that foul line. Cause it's free points for him. My little point I agreed with you on was Michael Porter jr. You know, I'll take it a step further. Cause I did have the three, you know, as you mentioned, he was struggling three for 17 so far in the series in his last three games he's six for 27 from three wow wow he's, 
yeah, he's 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 got to he's got to uh, he's got to figure out he's got to knock down shots because he's such an important part to that offense into that team, and he's got to figure out. And he just got to hit again. He's just got to see one or two fall, and maybe it starts going for him. And my final point is through the Nuggets, they got to get out and run. You know, they went up forty-eight to thirty-five in game two. You know, and and um, so and so far up to that point, they led the Heat in fast break, fast break point sixteen to nothing. The rest of the game, they um, five to two Heat in, in fast break points. There's a lot. There's so much better. They got to get out and run. Um, you know, getting Jokic out of transition, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter. Again, when they can knock down some open shots, I think it's so much better because then you can't let that Heat defense set up. They've been playing that zone. Um, you know, and I, I'll, that's kind of one of my points. So I won't go into it too much, but they've done a good job against Jokic defensively and not being able to make him distribute. They got to get out wrong, get some easy baskets. Denver's got cannot play the half court game. That's what Miami wants to do. Exactly, exactly. Great point there. And now we'll transition what Miami has to do to go up 2-1. And number one is they got to they got to keep shooting the three well. They got to shoot the three like they did in game two. 48% hit 17 threes in, in, in game two. They got to keep shooting the ball. I got to run, guys. But it was great being back and forth. Go Heat. Thank you, Frank. Thank you very yeah. much for, for listening. Thanks, my man. And, good, and listen, good luck to your Heat uh, tonight and yeah, for the rest luck. of the series. Yeah, good luck, Frank, to your Heat. And uh, again, Always kind of feel, you know, Pete, always great organization and uh, good to good to talk to you. It's been a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're looking forward to, ha- to having you listen to us during football season so, because we'll be talking about the mm-hmm. Dolphins a lot. So we look forward to that. So have a great day, Frank. But yeah, you go to the heat. The three point shooting is key. And you saw, you saw Vincent hit four threes in game in uh, game two. He was their leading score. Max Truce hit four threes in the first quarter of game two. He stepped up. They shot 48%, hit 17 threes. If they keep hitting their threes, they're definitely going to be in these games. So the three-point shooting, very, very key for Miami. Another thing that's really key, Bam has got to continue to play to play well. Bam has been that Robin to Butler's Batman in this series. He had 21 points in uh, in game. He had, Bam had 21 points in game one. Tw- no, 26 points in game one. 21 points in game in game two. Had that big out, big dunk to put them up 10. Uh, a big game one to put him up 10 in game two. So Bam has got to continue to be the Robin to Butler's Batman. And uh, also Butler has just got, he's got to continue to be great. Butler's got to continue to be great. Obviously that's the reason the heat are here. The biggest reason why the heat are here. I know the three point shooting has been big, but the biggest reason why the heat are here is because of the way Jimmy Butler has played in this postseason. He's been phenomenal. He's got to continue to be phenomenal. He can't have games like he did in game one and expect to win the series. He's got to have more games like he did in game two for the heat to win this series. And lastly, I think they just keep let Jokic be the score. Let Jokic be the score. The Nuggets are 0-3, 0-3 this postseason when Jokic scores over 40 points. And a big reason for that is Jokic is not the three-point shooter Steph Curry is. If you see Steph Curry getting hot, you got to blitz him. You got to double him. Jokic, because he's not a he's not a great – yes, he can hit threes. He definitely can hit threes. But because he's not a great three-point shooter, you could allow him. Like, that, this is why teams struggle to win championships with the center as their best player. You could allow those centers to score points and and not let and, and and not let the other guys do and, and have the other guys do nothing and you could win the game because because the big the biggest thing is I think the Heat have a great game plan here. Let Jokic score and uh and 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 uh let the other guys step up. To make let Jokic get his and let the other guys have to step up. They did in game one, they didn't in game two. And that's a big reason why the Heat won is because the other guys for the Nuggets didn't step up in game two. Yeah, that's a great point. That that's what I'll that's what was my number one point. Um, you know, it kind of tied it with Bam. Yeah, they need Bam needs to be a factor on both ends of the floor and the way he kind of defended him, you know, against that zone. He was kind of playing Jokic and you know in front, making it tough to catch the ball. 
and yeah, when Jokic can kind of get open and be able to distribute, um, it makes things so much easier for that offense because you don't know what he's going to do because he can shoot, he can pass, he can go to the rack, and it takes away one of his options. So yeah, that that you know that's a really good point. And you know, for for the Heat, they got to continue to play him like that. And for Bam, and then offensively for Bam, as you mentioned, he had twenty one points again. When he's aggressive, it makes that team so much better. Um, you know, he's had a, he's played really well so far in this po- in, in this series, and they continue. They need to continue to. Um, he's gonna have to continue to play well. My second one, agree with you as well for the Heat. They got to continue at the three point ball. Uh, Gabe Vips, Gabe Vincent stepped up, played really well in game two. Max Struess. I know Caleb Martin's been sick, and it sounds like he's feeling better. So again, maybe this is the game where Caleb Martin has that breakout game. You know that we saw against Boston. So. You know, that the Heat, if they continue to hit threes, they're going to be in really, really good shape. And then finally, yeah, it's Butler. Butler attack, get to, the, get to the free throw line. That's when he's at his best because I do think he's wearing down a little bit. Again, he's he's played so well, um, you know, this postseason. If he continue to get to the basket, drive, um, hit a couple. His mid-range game is so good. I, You know, if he plays well and other guys could step up and knock down shots around him, it's going to be really, really difficult to beat Miami. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, if, yeah, and that's been that's been really the story for the Heat all postseason. When other guys have stepped up around Jimmy Butler, and, and, and they've been they've been a great team. They've been a great team, and and it happened in Game Two, and it was a big reason why this series is even. But at the end of the day, and before we and, and after and before we wrap up with, with talking about this, I I just think the Nuggets, and I said it earlier, I just think in this league, as we said, great players, great organizations can only take you so far. Great players win championships from Magic. Magic won five in the 80s. Bird won three in the 80s. Jordan won six in the 90s. Uh, pretty much the two, pretty much from 99 to 2010, it was it was really either the Spurs and Duncan winning or uh, Kobe and Shaq winning championships. And then you go back to the, the, the 2010s. It was really either LeBron or the Spurs or Steph Curry winning championships. So in this league for years, it's about superstar players winning championships, not great organizations. I commend, I, I have a ton of respect for the Heat and Heat culture, but Heat culture has not won a championship in 10 years. I'm tired of hearing about cultures when they haven't won a championship in a decade. Yes, they've gotten there, but they haven't won a championship in a decade. And when they've won their last two championships, they had the second greatest player to ever play the game on their team. Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, SARS players can take you to that next level that organizations can't. You know, again, Pat Riley, one of the best owners of all of, in all of sports. Eric Spolstner, you know, is the top 10 coach in the sport of all time. You know, but, yeah, that can only get you so far. And Jimmy Butler, he's a different animal when he gets to the postseason. You know, again, he's a good regular season player, too. But he takes it to the next level in the postseason. Um, we, we've seen it so far again this year. You know, the Sixers made a huge mistake. We can do a show on how many mistakes the Sixers yeah. have made over the last five, ten years. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely cost them. And, you know, for, for and, but yeah, I just think Jokic, the star that he is, Michael Porter is a really good player, Jamal Murray. Again, the Heat have half that team is undrafted free agents. And you got Jamal Murray, who's a really good player. You got Michael Porter Jr., who, again, if he didn't get hurt in Missouri, didn't blow out his back, he he was probably the number one overall pick in that draft. He's one or two, you know. Like they got three really good players on that team, you know. They got a decent bench, you know. Call a little post. I know he didn't play well in game two, um, but I just think that Denver's just got a little bit too much talent. And I think at some point, 
they'll wear down Miami. And I think Miami will take them as far as they can and um, give them a battle all series long. But I just think Nuggets find a way to um, get their first title. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it should be very, very interesting with game with game three uh, being tonight. Should be a, should be a really good series. I think this series is going six or seven. Nuggets they got the more talented team, but the Heat they've done a great job to get to this point. They the, the Heat have just done they've just done a phenomenal job uh, to get to this point, and it should be a very, very interesting series between uh, between these two teams. But we got two stars in baseball. One that's going to be out for a while. One that's going back on the DL. But we, but before we talk about that, we're going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so a rough, rough day for Jacob DeGrom as he is now getting Tommy John surgery. Uh, he's about to get Tommy John surgery. Really, really rough day for uh, Jacob Degrom, and uh, really, really sad. I mean, you know, he's had a really, he's had a great career, but the problem with him is, he's, especially over the last three years, he just had he's had so many issues staying healthy, and it's just, it just, it's, it's, it's so sad because he was one of the, he's still one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was pitching so well this year. He was pitching so well. I mean, he was two and zero with an ERA under two, but and the Rangers won every game he started. So a really, really rough day for Jacob Degrom. Yeah, you know, it's tough because you make the case if he's kind of been healthy, you know, the last couple of years, again, he's, he's a Hall of Fame guy. Like, it, you know, with how good he's been, and if he was able to make, like, 30 starts most of his years with the numbers he's put up, he would he would, he would would be in the Hall of Fame. And it's tough now because he's probably not – he has not been able to be healthy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's – it's, you know, it's, it's tough. And, yeah, it's got to be so frustrating because he just has not been able – to stay healthy the last couple of years. And that's, that's gotta be such a 
tough thing when you know you make all that money it's just you can't live up to the contract it's it's yeah it's got to be frustrating yeah and for the rangers you know they made a big investment they've been going for it and you see what the season they're having they've been going for it over the last couple of years i mean they i mean as they went out and got marcus simeon and Corey seager last last off the two off seasons ago this off season they would go out and get jacob de they've been going for it and they've had a great year but yeah, this is definitely a blow because of they, they they're paying this guy thirty seven million a year, but they paid him knowing this was an issue because he he's he's missed half the season uh, in twenty twenty one and he missed half the season last year. So they made this deal knowing this was going to be an issue. Yeah, they did. And again, I think we talked about it. It's a risky investment, but yeah, you know when he's healthy, it's been worth it. But yeah, it's a it's a huge kind of risk, and you know he hasn't pitched much this year. But yeah, when he's been out there, he's been good. And yeah, I think the Rangers probably anticipated that he wouldn't – he wasn't going to make 30 starts. Like, I think they really want him for the postseason. Unfortunately, they're not going to get that now. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's you know, for him, the Rangers – yeah, the Rangers – it's been great that they're going for it. I know we'll get to it, but I think they're the best team in baseball, and I still think they are even without Jacob DeGrom. All right, now we're going to get to it. The big question, are the Rangers World Series contenders without Jacob DeGrom? Are the Rangers World Series contenders? And I'm going to start, and I'm going to say yes – and I think the big reason why their run differential is the best in baseball, they're starting pitching even without him. So, so they lost to Grom, you know, in April, at the, in the, in the, at the end of April. So really for a month and a half, they've been still playing great baseball. And a big reason for that is their starting rotation. John Gray's pitched really well. Nathan Navaldi's pitched really well. I mean, they pitched Navaldi and Gray have, have had great years. Martin Perez, Martin Perez has had a really good year too. And then their offense has been the best in baseball. That is the best offense of baseball, hands down. Garcia's having an MVP year. Seager's been great since he came off the DL. Simeon's on a 25-game hitting streak. Jonah Helm is the best catcher in baseball. I mean, and they've had other contributions, too, from other guys in that lineup. That line, And Nathaniel Lowe, he's a, he's a really good player as well. That, that lineup is great. They have a decent bullpen as well. So I think right now they are clearly World Series contenders. They're four and a half games up on the Astros. Now, are they going to win the West? Are they going to beat the Astros? We'll see. But they're four and a half games up on the Astros. I still think even without DeGrom, they are World Series contenders. I absolutely agree with you. You know, even Dane Dunning, who's filled in for him, has pitched really well. I think he's 5 1 with a 2.05 ERA. Like, he's been really good. Yeah, Simeon and Seager are having two really good years. Um, I was reading a stat a couple of days ago. See, or Simeon was shifted last year like 78% of his at bats. And I think he's somebody that's really benefited for not have you know, for no, no banning the shifts. You know, Seager's had a really nice year as well. Adolis Garcia. That offense can mash, and I feel like even if they're starting pitching kind of struggles, you know, if one of those guys have an off day, that offense can pick them up. And, you know, again, Evaldi's been awesome. Martin Perez, John Gray, um, you know, Andrew Haney's been decent, you know. And look, you know, and I agree, their weak spot's kind of the bullpen, but that's an easy fix in the month of July. There's always Absolutely. a handful that's- of relievers. To me, that's the easiest fix. That's the easiest fix is getting yeah. a bullpen. That's the easiest fix is beefing up the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. And they could do that in the next month or so. So I'm with, I think the Rangers are World Series contenders. I think they're the best team in baseball right now. So I think they're absolutely still World Series contenders without Jacob DeGrom. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now we talk about another guy who is heading back to the aisle, and that's Aaron Judge. He made that great catch on Saturday against the Dodgers. Great play by him. But because of his toe, he is heading back to the aisle. It's at the 10-day aisle right now. But I do expect him to miss both the boss, both the games in the Red Sox series. But, yes, he is going to the IL. And, the, and a big stat here about Judge going to the IL, the Yankees have only – in the 13 games he's been out this year, the Yankees have only scored more than four runs twice. And those were on back-to-back days against the Rays and against the A's in early May. 
So this, and you saw last night, this lineup is not the same without Aaron Judge. They also have Harrison Bader out too, because you've seen IKF, IKF out in center field. And I don't want to see, I, I really am so tired of IKF playing this team, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to be a, a big loss for this team, especially with the two, you got Boston twice. You got Boston six times in, in the next in the next week, so it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting to see what happens. Guys like Stanton, guys like Glaber. Glaber's the big one. Glaber has got to step up and set things up for Stanton and Rizzo. He has got to step up. If he's not getting on base, this lineup's gonna be in trouble because they won't they won't give Stanton anything to hit, and uh, and and Rizzo won't have another guy on base. So it's, it's, Glaber Torres has got to step up. But yes, this Yankee lineup, as we saw last night, as they lost to the lost the Astros, and I mean I mean the White Sox, and they were being no hit. For, uh, for six innings last night. So it, guys have to step up in this lineup now with Aaron Judge out, and they really haven't this year. Yeah, you're you're right. And, you know, because you can't replace Aaron Judge. You just can't. You know, the, the production that he gives you, there's it's impossible. You need three guys that just fill his one spot. And, you know, saying, yeah, just came off the IL. They're going to need him. I know he had a big hit Sunday night. They're going to need him to start playing. You know, they're going to need him. You know, Josh Donaldson had a couple of big hits last weekend as well coming off the IL. Rizzo's kind of been a slump. Tor- Torres always feels like for one week, he, you can't get him out, and the next week, he can't find a way to get on base. But I feel like Torres is just so hot and cold. Um, I, and I know you've been kind of off on LeMayu all year, and I, I'm starting to be very concerned with LeMayu. I know I was kind of defending him, but I'm very concerned about DJ. He's just not the same guy anymore. And, Volpe, and Volpe, all he does is hit home runs now, it seems like. Yeah. He's hit like under 200. But he does have yeah. some big home runs. He had a home run on, big home run on Sunday night. But, yeah, it seems like all he does is hit home runs. Yeah, you know, and like I, I like that average go back, but I know average doesn't matter to these analytical guys anymore. Like I, I know that's not a stat they pay attention to, but I wish more they would. Because like, yeah, Volpe's a guy. Volpe's a guy. That I think he's fourteen for fourteen for stolen bases. Like, look, he can go for you know thirty for thirty, um, home runs and stolen bases. But like, yeah, he doesn't. All he does is hit home runs. I would like to see him hit doubles, but I would. I don't know. But yeah, you know, I so. Um, but, yeah, this offense got to be better. Again, they're, they're facing Lance Lynn tonight. Lance Lynn's been horrible. ZRA's over six. They they have to get a couple runs off of him tonight early. Um, I know Vasquez pitched well, but, like, you still got a rookie pitcher. You don't really ever know what you're going to get out of some of those guys. So, yeah, it'd be nice because you can't lose a series to White Sox. They're just, I know they, they, they have some talent on that roster, but it's a team that really hasn't played well at all. Um, I know they swept the Tigers, but. Yeah, the, the team tonight, that offense right now, they got to, without Judge, they got to get something going. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, obviously with this big series against with the Red Sox, and this is big because they're, I think they're four and a half games ahead of the Red Sox right now. So if they say they say they take two out of three this week, say they take two out of three this weekend and they take two out of three next weekend, they're up six and a half, seven games, and they, and they might be able to bury the Red Sox before July 4th. Yeah, which would be beautiful for us Yankee fans. But, yeah, you know, the Red Sox have – there's a lot. I know we'll get to him. There's a lot of frustration right now with that team, with the way things have been going right now. Um, but yeah, they, they they haven't been playing great. And yeah, you, you get them this week at the stadium. Be nice to get two out of three from them. You know, you never know any Yankee Red Sox here. So like, I feel like one team could be like 20 games over 500, and the other one could be 20 over. And it's you know, and team you know the team that's kind of having a rough year could still win two out of three in that series. Like you never know. Um, but yeah, it's a seriously you got to take two out of three. You got to kind of finish them. You got to bury them, you know. Because yeah, you know, again that they will um they'll they'll turn fast up there in Boston on them. And there's you know I'll, I'll get to what Corey kind of said. I thought it was on Saturday, but 
yeah, it's a, it's a series that you, you got to take at least two out of three, hopefully, from the Red Sox. And hopefully you can go, like, four and two in, that, in the homestand and you feel good about yourself without judge. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Yankees and Red Sox, they play this weekend, they play next weekend. I think the big question is, who do these series mean more to, the Red Sox or the Yankees? And I'm going to say the Red Sox, because if the Red Sox lose two out of three in both these series, their season might be over. I mean, they'd be seven games out of a wild card spot. And we talked about it. Too. We talked about the playoffs in the American League. We know that we we know that the Rangers, even though they don't have to, they're not going to have to Grom. They're probably going to make the playoffs. The Astros, they're the Astros. They're going to make the playoffs. The Central is going to get one team. So you're going to have to finish in third place in the American League East to make the playoffs. This these two series are huge for both teams, but I think they're bigger for the Red Sox because they're the team that's behind right now. They're the team that's four and a half games behind. With let me tell you, a GM that should be on the hot seat. A GM that definitely should be on the hot seat. Yes, he made some good moves in the offseason going out and getting Yoshida, going out and getting Canley Jansen. He made some good moves there. But this GM right now should be on the hot seat. Looking at this pitching, looking at the pitching staff they have, this GM should be on the hot seat. So I think this is these next two series are bigger for the Red Sox. Because say the Red Sox win these series, uh win these series. The Yankees are still in the race. The Yankees are still clearly in the race. It's just the Red Sox get closer. But if the Yankees win these two series, the Yankees pretty much bury the Red Sox. The Red Sox are pretty much buried in the basement. And they're and again, like I said, their series is probably done. Their series, their, se- their season is probably done uh, by July 4th because they're just going to be too far behind the Orioles, the Yankees, and the Astros. They're just going to be too far behind to make any kind of a comeback. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's huge for Boston. I think for that. You know, they had a team meeting on Monday. Like, this is a huge week for – like, they knew going to Cleveland – And that was a big win they had last, they, they, they got yeah. last night. Yeah, that – you know, they, they got the Bieber there a little late and both them kind of imploded there for the Guardians. But, you know, so, yeah, last night was a big one for them. They I, they 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 understand that this is a huge week for them, that they, they got to go into New York and at least win two out of three because, yeah, I think things just kind of spiral out of control – you saw Monday night, Corey got ejected. I think there's some frustration on his mind right now with the way things have been going. That, that again, they got 40 errors defensively this year. I think you know, for just the fan base too, like to kind of have any kind of sort of hope because it, it's a mediocre baseball team. Like it, they they have been literally a mediocre team all year, and that's kind of what we've been saying all year. Like it's a mediocre team, and they can go four out of six against the Yankees the next two weekends. Yeah, you feel a lot better about yourself, and you kind of. You know, the Jays are starting to kind of figure things out. And again, if they do, you know, the Red Sox already two and a half back of them. Yeah, they could be sitting there four or five out of fourth place in this division. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I think it means a lot to both teams, but it definitely, to me, these next six games, the next six, the next, the six games, the first six games, the Yankees and Red Sox play definitely mean more to the Red Sox. They, they have, I think they have to at least, at least get a split. They have to at least get a split or win four to six of those games to stay in this race because six and a half, seven games is going to be very, very hard to make up. It's going to be very hard for this team to make up. And let me tell you, if they're this far out by July 31st, this team's going to trade off parts. They're going to start trading off parts. They're going to start selling. And they may, and it may be the end of high and bloom. He may, he may not last. If this team is out of it, way out of it uh, by July 31st, he might be gone. I don't know if they'll get room that quickly. I don't know if it'll be that quick. I could, you know, but look, I, I think he's in major trouble. Yeah. Again, they sold off pieces last year, and those players kind of felt like they still had a chance last year to kind of make a run and get into it. The, the players did not were not on the same page as he was last year at the trade deadline. They weren't happy that Vasquez got traded. You know, like the pitching staff really liked them. You know, like, again, it's, yeah, you know, he started trading off guys again, and this team maybe believes that they can get back into it. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like, yeah, if they don't get the playoffs, there's a good chance he gets fired. Um, but yeah, this, this Red Sox really got to show Heim Bloom that um, he's got to go get, try to get pieces to help this team get the postseason. And these next two weekends would be huge for him to kind of try to prove it to him that um, they're worth trying to spend for. Absolutely, absolutely. And now we talk about this weekend series with the, with the Yankees and Red Sox. And Friday night, we got Garrett Cole against Garrett Whitlock. That should definitely be a win for the Yankees. Uh, Saturday, you got Domingo Herman against Tanner Houck. That should be another win for the Yankees. And then Sunday, I'll give this one to the Red Sox because Judge isn't playing. I won't say I won't say the Yankees will sweep the Red Sox with Judge out. So I do think the Red Sox went on Sunday with Bello against Schmidt. So maybe, maybe the Red Sox bats find a way to win that game on Sunday. But I do have the Yankees taking two out of three this weekend at home against the Red Sox. Yeah, I think Friday night should be a win. And Cole, I know Cole, the Red Sox have had some success in the past against Cole, but I hope he goes out there, sets the tone for the weekend. That'd, that'd be huge. Uh, yeah, Saturday, again, herman has been pitching well. I know I've been hard on him. He's been pitching well, you know, so hopefully he can kind of continue that. I know, what, a couple years ago, he had a no-hitter going in the eighth against the Red Sox. Let's see if he can kind of, you know, somehow do that. But, um, yeah, I think – Probably the Red Sox win Sunday. Even though he, Clark Smith put pretty well last night, that catcher in the White Sox beat him. But you know, he, I thought he pitched. He thought he pitched better. But yeah, I, I don't think the Red, the Red Sox get swept. And I think they find a way to win one out of the three this weekend. I think it's Sunday night. They have. They need to. They 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 have. They they have to. They have to uh, win two out of three. They, they definitely do. Or 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 they're, they're going to continue to be in trouble. They're going to they're, they're going to start. They're, they're not going to be able to keep up with these teams. They have they have to win two out of three in this series. Yeah, they absolutely do. It's it's huge, and you know, last night's a good start to the road trip, and hopefully tonight they continue. I know they got a tough matchup again tonight um, against um, BB, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, they be nice. I know that we feel pretty good. They can kind of, you know, go into Yankee Stadium, winning a series against Cleveland. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we have a big, big. We had huge news in the world of golf yesterday. As the P, this was shocking. As the PGA and Live Golf decided to merge. So uh, there's really no more separation between the PGA and Live. And in my opinion, I think there I think there's a big there's a positive to this and there's a major negative to this. And I'll start with the positive. I think this is going to be better for the game of golf. I definitely think this is going to eventually be better for the game of golf to have guys like, you know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepra and Bryson DeChambeau back in back back on these PG, back in, in in these PGA events, I think this is definitely going to be going to get be better for golf. As you saw, the ratings for golf started to drop because of the Live Tour last year. I think this is definitely this is definitely going to help golf in the long run. So in the long run, I think this is going to help golf. But the major, major, major negative of this is uh, the trust between the PGA players that stuck with the PGA and the head of the PGA, Jay Monahan. I think the, 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 I think the bridge is burned between the between Monahan and the and the players that that's, that that stayed, and I don't think it's getting to get better. I don't think the relationship's going to get better. I think this relationship is fractured forever, and I think Monahan sold them out. I think Monahan completely sold out the players that that stuck with the PGA. I think it was too early to merge with Liv. Fifteen months, only fifteen months that that, that, that Liv began, and and you talked about oh how bad Liv is, how bad Liv golf is. Now that now now that now and then fifteen months later, you decide to merge with them. You sold out. You sold out the guys who were loyal to you. Oh, yeah. It, I'll go as far as saying I, I would not be surprised that those PGA guys try to get rid of Jay Monahan as commissioner. Like, I I, I think that relationship is that broken. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him have to kind of forcibly resign because of this. Again, all those PGA guys that stayed loyal, now they, gotta, they just got stabbed in the back. They just lost out on, like, hundreds of millions of dollars. 
Again, Tiger Woods didn't make a billion dollars at Lyft. These, these, these were eight, nine-figure salaries. Eight, yeah. nine-figure salaries. These guys passed yeah. up to stay loyal to this, and then their head decides to sell them out and, and, and merge with it, merge with that, merge with Lyft. Yeah. yeah. Again, for those guys who stuck, you know, now they got to come back and play with the, the G-Chambos and Kepkas of the world. Now you're playing with the enemy. Now you're playing with the guys that left. You know, like, there were some hard feelings on both sides about this, man. I just... Again, it, you know, Monaghan was saying too about, you know, I'm not doing business with the, you know, people that started like 9 11, like going into that. Like, and now it's like you sound like a hypocrite. Like, it, oh, a, it, he could not be more of a hypocrite. He could not be more yeah. of a hypocrite for what he did. Yeah. And I know, again, I know they were kind of scared about Liv and all that, but man, only a year. It's, again, it's horrible. It's, again, it just, it's such a bad look on Monaghan. I just, I, can't I can't see him surviving this. I can't see his job surviving. I can't and look, it's we know the world evolves around money. Like we all know that's why it happened. That's why UConn's gonna leave for the Big 12 in a couple weeks. It just because oh, 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 it's a I, money. I, 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 that's a, we'll be talking about that in a couple oh, weeks, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, that that'll trust me. I will have my thoughts of how big of a mistake that will be. But look, it's all about money. This is how the world is. And I know he wanted the money, it was gonna help, but man, yeah, you just sold out all your guys that you just that stay loyal to you, man. And you just backstabbed them. And yeah, I don't see any of those relationships staying. Though, though I don't see any of those relationships getting fixed anytime soon. And, they sh- and I don't blame any of those guys. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And the only way these relationships are going to come close to getting repaired is if Monaghan uh, compensates them, compensates those guys that stayed. And he should absolutely compensate the guys that, he's, that stays. If he doesn't compensate the guys that stay, he should be gone. He should be out of a job. This is absurd. I mean, he, he, because these players, I mean, I mean, they stayed loyal to you. They turned out nine figure salaries to stick with you to stay loyal it's absurd for you not to compensate these guys for what they did and now and now and 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 even the the more the part that was even more disturbing they they didn't even they found out on twitter they found out on twitter that live and the pga were merging yeah that's even worse that none of those guys were in those meetings or didn't get you know that money didn't kind of ask like hey is it you know okay i i I agree. Like all those guys should be compensated, but they're not. Like let's be honest, they're not going to compensate them. They're not. And again, I think it's horrible. And again, I know some of those guys have made so much money they don't need it, but they still could have gotten more. And you know, they it just because of the loyalty that they showed the PGA Tour, and it's just like this is what I get for that. And yeah, you feel betrayed. And yeah, I, I again, I, you know, I. I completely agree with you. I cannot see Monahan kind of survive his job over this. I, I really can't. Oh, no. I mean, uh, as, as we said earlier, unless there's compensation. Yeah. If there's no compensation, there, there's, 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 there's no way. There's no way that, 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 that he's surviving. I mean, you pretty much, you talked about all year long, oh, we were, we're not going to associate with Liv. We're not going to associate with these guys. These, we're not going to associate with these guys. And then 15 months later, you end up merging with them. It, I mean, yeah, I'd have more respect for Monahan if he waited, you know, two, three years, saw the ratings continue to drop, continue to drop, seeing more good players leave the PGA if the, and the ratings continue to drop. Okay, I could see why you're going to merge with Liv. And yeah, eventually this is probably going to happen because when you lose, as you see in any sport, when you lose superstar players, people stop watching the sport. So, yes, eventually this is probably going to happen. But to me, it happened way too quick for me. For yeah. me it happened way too quick for me. Yeah, I- it was right around the time a year ago, I think. Like, I thought it was, like, the first, second week of June this got announced. So, like, yeah, it's literally been a year. And, yeah, to already pull the trigger on this and kind of say, oh, all right, we're going to merge right away. Yeah, it, it's quick. And, 
Yeah, it was probably going to happen at some point. But, yeah, to happen this quickly, to do it like this for the players to find out on Twitter, um, yeah, that it's got to be such a frustrating thing. It's got to be such a just, you know, loyalty and all that. It's got to be gone. And, yeah, you know, I, I again, the, anima- the animosity that's going to be on that golf course when some of those guys have to play each other or, you know, when they're grouped up together, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting how that all plays out. Yeah, you talk about the animosity with the guys, with the live guys and the PGA guys coming together. There's there's also a ton, a ton, and obviously this is and obviously because of what happened, and this is pretty obvious. There's a ton of animosity between Monahan and those players. The, I heard you heard you heard it yesterday. Those meetings were heated. Those meetings were heated, and they should be. Yeah. The PGA player should be ticked off because of this because of this guy. This guy has now turned into a, he's turned into a villain. This Jay Monahan with one decision has completely turned into a villain. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he kind of felt like he had those players backs last year that, you know, he was going to stick with them. And, you know, all they had to do was just kind of just stay with the PGA Tour and everything was going to be okay. But, yeah, to go in one year to not give them any type of notice to do this, you know, to get announced. And, again, I, I don't blame any of those guys for being heated at those meetings yesterday. I, I would have been if I was one of those guys. So, you, you, I don't blame any of those PGA guy tours for for being upset with this with this guy. And, damn, Monahan turned into an absolute villain and – yeah, it, it just, you know, turned in the villain and just so quickly too is, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's surprising that they did it this, this quickly. Yeah. I mean, obviously he did it for money. And, and, and the sad part of the whole story is, is that money went nowadays, money wins out over anything. Morals, money, money wins out over morals. Unfortunately, these, the, the guys who stayed loyal, good for you. But now you lost out on millions of dollars. It's sad. It's sad for the guys who stayed loyal. It's really sad that th- 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 that this is the way it is. But th- but that's the way it is in, in, in pretty much all professional sports. Guys that stay loyal don't don't end up uh, don't end up succeeding. Loyalty. It, 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 I mean, you look at uh, you look you look at Damian Lillard with the Portland with the Portland Trailblazers. He's been loyal to Portland for so long, and now he said today that he wants to play in Miami. He should want to get out of Portland because that organization hasn't been loyal for him. And then you saw on, on the flip side with with Tom Brady with the, with the Patriots. He didn't stay loyal to the Patriots. He didn't stay loyal to the Patriots at the end. Went to the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. got himself a Super Bowl, and put himself in, in a conversation as one of the greatest athletes and, or and one of the greatest players in NFL history. He was one of the greatest players of all time before that, but now he's in the conversation of one of the greatest athletes and one of the greatest NFL players to play the game because he didn't stay loyal to his team. And, and you, so you look at it, obviously in the NBA with LeBron James, didn't stay loyal to the Cavaliers. Won himself two championships. Kevin Durant didn't stay loyal to the Golden State. Didn't stay loyal to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Won himself, uh, won himself two championships in Golden State. So loyalty in sports is really, really not the priority. It's about putting yourself in the best situation to make the most money and win championships. Yep, absolutely. You know, I'll give you a set for that's even college athletics right now. Oh, absolutely. And and, and we brought it up. We brought it up. We would not. We will not be surprised at all if UConn goes to the Big Twelve in a couple weeks. And yes, these UConn fans are going to be really, really upset because they're not going to go to the Big. They're not again. They're not going to be able to go to the Big East tournament to watch them play. Mm. But ultimately, that's a better decision. If UConn does do that, that's a better decision for UConn athletics because the athletic program is going to make more money because they're going to make a lot more money because they're going to get that. They're going to get that foot. They're going to get that. uh, um, money from that TV from that TV deal from the Big Twelve. Yeah, even though I I think it's a huge mistake that they're about I, to make. I, but I, 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 even if if, if 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 that did happen, I wouldn't think it would be a big mistake because I think it would help the athletic department. And I and I personally think if it did happen, that uh th- th- that the program would not fall off like it did in the AAC because the Big Twelve is still a really good basketball conference. 
It is. I just worry about you're not going to. I just I go back to the Syracuse Pitt Nordane argument. You can't get kids from New York anymore. And that's gotcha, you kind gotcha. of main. Probably, but yeah, they did not get off too off traffic. But yeah, m- money, money talks. Money's a huge thing. Loyalty. Yeah. You, you mentioned that loyalty was a great, great, uh, great point. And it's that because, yeah, you know, guys like to say loyal. Again, we're Aaron Judge say loyal. They took less money to stay with the Yankees. You know, hopefully it pays off and you can win, win a couple World Series here. But but you never know. Yeah. That could backfire on him. He could have taken you could have taken yeah. more money and played for the Padres and maybe won a World Series. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You know, the, the Padres are struggling. You know, Giants, I know, too, offering a ton of money, too. And, you know, that was his hometown team. So, yeah, you know, loyalty doesn't always it, it again. You like when guys say loyal again, I'm being a Kings fan. I always worry that Fox one off season is going to sit there and say, I want to get oh, traded. He, oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Me, me neither. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't. So, yeah, it's always something that you, you hope. But at some point, I don't, you know, the loyalty yeah, at some point is going to wear off. And, you know, it, it's great to see when guys do want to stick around and stay loyal to teams. But, yeah, it doesn't always happen. You know, money talks and, yeah, you know, and it, sometimes you get organizations that just got all the money in the world and they'll do whatever it takes to, to bring somebody in. Absolutely, absolutely. So it should be interesting to see the PGA guys and the Live guys being on tour together. That's going to be very, very interesting. But we're going to wrap up the show talking about the Stanley Cup final between the Golden Knights and the Panthers. Golden Knights lead the series two games to none over the Panthers. Uh, Sergio Bobrovsky has definitely looked like more of a backup goaltender in, these Stanley Cup, in the Stanley Cup final. Golden Knights have a 2-0 lead. But the big question is, with the Panthers coming home, but going back to South, to South Florida, what do they need to do to get back into this series? Yeah, you mentioned number one, Borowski. Now, I don't blame – he does get some blame, but I feel like two Florida in front of him has not played well so far for this first two games, but he's got to figure out. He's got to get back to the guy that we saw for the first three series here um, where he was just an absolute brick wall. He's got to play better. Um, you know, just what, you know, Vegas has thrown at him. Um, they're just – again, it's just – you know, they, they got to figure out the way Aiden Hill has been playing in, in gold as well. He's got to keep that thing as low scoring as possible. My second was Matthew Kachuk. You know, he's got to stay out of the box. He's already got three misconduct penalties. He, again, he's a guy that's always had an edge to him, and that's great. But I feel like at times he's just, you know, frustration boiling over. And you could see Ford has been very frustrated at times this series. And, you know, he's got to stay out of the box, and he's got to worry about scoring goals and setting up guys, um, you know, to light the lamp. And my third one is too that you gotta get off to a better start. And I guess this kind of goes back to my second point too. Is the, the like Florida's kind of looked rattled. You know, they 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 have not faced a ton of adversity since the Bruins series being down 3-1. They they gotta get out to a good start on Wednesday or on Thursday night. Um, you know, hopefully these couple of days off here kind of gets them right going back home, hopefully um helps them out. But they they've looked rattled. They have to start out well. They gotta get to the first goal of the game on tomorrow night. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think that definitely is a big thing for the Panthers if they want to get back to the series. Now, what do the Golden Knights have to do Have to do to bury the Panthers in the series, to bury the Panthers and to put them away quickly in the series to win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history? For them, you know, they continue to balance attack. They had 12 players that tallied a, tallied a point in game two. You know, and I mentioned it last week, the depth that they have, you know, they, they the four lines, you know, they could all four check. They could all punch it in the back of the net. You know, Bruce Cassidy trusts all four of those lines to capitalize and, and score goals, and that's what they've been able to do. It's the biggest um, goal margin so far, you know, since 98-96 World Series. Uh, I mean, the 96 Stanley Cup when, you know, the Florida Panthers the, were in it. were in it against, the, against yeah. the Avalanche, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rats um, on the ice. That was the rats on the ice year. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I always forget how that actually started. I, I think it started because I think one of the players like flinged around, saw a rat in the locker room, and he and he and he, uh, and he shot it away, flinged a rat away, and I think that's how it started. Okay, yeah, I always forget the look of that origin story, but yeah, I was always fascinated how that came to be. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully they can get those uh, rats on the ace quickly. But Vegas with that with that balanced attack, it's just been it's been tough for him to kind of keep them in check. And Aiden Hill, again, I mentioned it too. He came in the season being the fifth string goalie. The way he's played this postseason, he's going to get a huge contract. He's still only 27. Um, he's got to continue to be, you know, as good as good as advertised he's been. In Vegas, too, Florida's had committed a lot of penalties. They've already got four power play goals. Again, Florida keeps making those mistakes. Keep keep on, uh, you know, keep on, um, keep bearing their mistakes. You know, continue to kind of just go at them and, and continue to play well in the power play. Again, it's just all the guys that they got, um, you know. It's just been it's been tough for the um, Panthers to slow down, and again, Vegas continue to take advantage on the power play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They keep, yeah, if they keep doing that, they're definitely going to win the series. Now we'll close out on this: the Golden Knights have been this is their second Stanley Cup, and it's their uh, their second Stanley Cup and their uh, fourth. They made it to the conference finals four times in their seven years of existence. Why have they been able to have such success uh, being such a new franchise? Well, the way they drafted too, and they've been very aggressive. They went out and got Jack Eichel. Yeah, um, Eichel was big. That's like yeah, the one Eichel player all, everyone knows that plays for the Golden Knights. Yeah, you know, yeah, he he's been huge. He's been a superstar. I was hoping the range a couple of years ago we we're gonna go get him. Um, Ivan um, Burbosi, they've got him from uh, St. Louis at trade line, deadline again. He had a monstrous hit on G- Gaddis the other night. You know, they they've been very aggressive in making trade. Jonathan um, Marchalette, who they got it. From the Panthers, who they, you know, the Panthers kind of gave, you know, um, a, you know, let him be available in that expansion draft. They, they, you know, Petrangelo, you know, they've spent a lot of money. They've gone out and they've really spent their money and they've really gave some excitement. You know, Mark Stone as well as another acquisition I think they got from Ottawa a couple of years ago. There's just so many examples of, of um, they just done a really good job of just spending money, managing it well. I think they're right at the cap limit. Again, they kind of figured out goalie. I know they, you know, um, you know, Aiden Hill, they had Jonathan Quick come in. But, yeah, they, they figured it out. They they just built, were very, very aggressive early on. And it was a much different philosophy from what we saw from the Kraken. The Kraken last year, I didn't recognize a lot of players that they drafted, you know, in the expansion draft. Vegas, it kind of felt like a lot of guys that, you know, you, you kind of recognized. And, um, you know, and they've just been very aggressive. They've gone after, they've made moves. They haven't been afraid. And, again, they, they you know, and because Vegas isn't, you know, it wasn't really a hockey town. I think they really wanted to come in and kind of say, look, you know, we're going to put an exciting team on the ice. We're going to put a team on that p- people want to go to. It's an awesome kind of in-game atmosphere. It looks like, you know, for the pregame presentations that they do, like they've just really have brought hockey to Vegas. And I think they've done a really good job. And again, putting a team like the Knights on there on the ice, um, they, they've done a heck of a job with it. They sure have, and they are two wins away from their first Stanley Cup and from, from their first uh, Stanley Cup champion for their first championship in franchise history. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for Justin Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week, continuing to talk about the the uh, NBA Finals. The, we'll be talking about the big series of Fenway Park between the Yankees and Red Sox, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley. 
he's great when he's on the field. But the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Beak, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 